Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9, and then we will go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, know ye not, not, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. This is not politically correct, but it is scripturally accurate. And such were some of you. I'm glad nobody said amen. But you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We've changed sides, folks. We're on a different team now. First Peter chapter two and verse nine, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which... In time past, you were not a people. There's that not again. But are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So my question today is, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? God bless you, you may be seated. In the heat of this summer, it reminds me of being a little boy, so carefree, so little responsibility, not worrying about things, letting the adults worry about those things, getting up and playing ball in the morning and in the afternoon, and then fishing at night. This summer was a great time, wasn't it? Great time to play and enjoy your friends and enjoy the weather. And one of the things that we do when we first began our day to play ball was we took the two best players and we said, these two guys need to be the captains of the two teams. They were the best players. You didn't want the best players on the same side. It wouldn't even be a game. So the two best players got to choose sides. Now, we didn't have money, so we couldn't flip a coin, but we figured out that you could use a baseball bat. And so what you would do is you would take that baseball bat and you would toss it to one of the captains. And the captain would catch it as close to the bottom of the bat as he could. And then you would go hand over hand until you got near the knob and the closest to the knob got the first pick. And then everybody waited to be chosen to be on one 
side or another. Now, if you didn't like the side you were on, you better not vocalize that because you won't be playing at all. But you had been chosen to play for one side or the other. John chapter 15 and verse 16 says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I've ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth fruit and that your fruit shall remain. God has chosen you. What an honor it is. I can remember feeling bad for some kids that maybe weren't very good players. They just were glad to even be in the game and they'd have to wait until everybody else was chosen. But you know what? It really doesn't matter, does it, once the choosing is done. As long as you're in the game and you're on a team and you were chosen at all. You may feel like the least in the kingdom. You're still in the kingdom. That's what really matters. You may feel that you're not the captain of the team. You're not even one of the better players on the team. But you're still on the team. It is an honor to be on the team. I remember even in high school when I first started playing on uh, high school basketball, we only kept 15 players. And to be quite frank with you, I didn't get a lot of playing time in the first year of high school basketball. But I considered it an honor to put on the uniform. Only 15 boys out of the entire Oak Creek High School got to even be on the team. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? God has chosen you. And that is a great honor to put on your uniform and to be called a teammate. It's a great honor. And I'm glad to be on God's side. Exodus, let's turn to Exodus chapter three. While you're turning there, I'm gonna tell you a story. I'm gonna walk you through this story and then I'm gonna read it to you. This is the way I, I wanna do it. Moses was in the desert for 40 years. What a mundane life he must have lived. Brother Matson talks about this all the time. Well, what do you do? Well, I get up on Monday morning, and I do my devotions, then I go to work and I come home and I eat my supper and if I've got the evening off, I, I rest a little bit and then I go to bed and I get up in the morning and I repeat it. Next day, same routine. What is it like for a shepherd? What is it like for them to get up and say, okay, well, we start here, we go down this, over this mountain, down into this valley where it's lower and there's more vegetation and a little bit of water and, and the sheep, they get to eat and drink and then they lay down for a little while, but we don't stay in that pasture all day. We gotta keep moving because we don't wanna wear out wherever they are that's eating or drink all the water of one area. So we gotta keep constantly moving. So he develops this routine, this pattern that he has, and he repeats it day after day after day, and it's very, very mundane. There's nobody out there to talk to. He doesn't have any hired hands. 
It's just him, God, and the sheep. And God even hasn't been talking to him for a long time. So he's walking along one day in his mundane, boring life, and he notices a little fire. Now, fires are common on a desert because, for, for lack of a better word, tumbleweeds can come together and, and there can be small fires in these tumbleweeds, but they burn out quickly and they don't start other things on fire and it doesn't last too long and he's seen this plenty of times. But on this particular day, as he's walking along, he sees this tumbleweed on fire, but the difference is that the tumbleweed is not consumed by the fire. It's not being eaten up by the fire and there's just gonna be an ash pile in in just a very few minutes. It's not being consumed. And he says to himself, I've never seen this before. This is something that I am not familiar with. And you know what? I think I'm gonna break my routine. I'm gonna stop doing what I've done every day for the past many, many years, and I'm just gonna try and figure out what's wrong with this situation. So he turns aside from his routine and he approaches this burning bush. And as he approaches the bush, the Bible says that the Lord saw that he turned aside and he spoke to him. He spoke to him. Here's what I'm I'm saying, how this relates to us. We live mundane lives sometimes. Nothing really changes very much one day to another, even one week to another. It's just the same routine and we, and we get in our pattern and we do the same thing all the time and we're not real excited about it, but that's just life and that's just being responsible. But what happens when one day in your life God shows you something miraculous that causes you to consider changing your direction and turning to pay attention and find out why something supernatural is happening that you can't understand. Because God never spoke to Moses until he turned aside. If he'd have just said, huh, another bush on fire. Well, I don't have time for that. I just got to keep doing what I'm doing because what I'm doing is what I'm supposed to be doing. If that would have been the case, there would have been no conversation between God and Moses. But God said, now that I see him turn. Do you remember the first time you ever came to a Pentecostal church? Do you remember? Do you remember how different it was from what you were familiar with? You thought these people were out of their mind. Crazy. But you know what you couldn't deny? You couldn't deny the presence of God. You couldn't deny that they had something you didn't have. That they seemed happier than what you were. And when you considered turning aside 
and trying to find out why. Somebody was there with a Bible. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. It became your burning bush and God began to speak to you through the word of God. Somebody preach with me today. And God starts speaking to you and you see it for yourself. Why are they clapping their hands? Because the Bible says, oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Oh, that's the explanation for why the bush is not consumed. What is it that they have that I don't have? They've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What's that? And you begin to study and you begin to search and you want to know why. Why they're so different. And whether or not you can have the same experience. You can if you're willing to turn aside. And if you're willing to listen to what God has to say to your life. Or you can just keep walking up and down the mountains. Doing your thing like you've always done it. As for me, I want to hear what God has to say. And, And... I know I'm away from my notes a little bit here, but God says to him, hey, Moses, I got a job for you. Got something I want you to do. I want you to go back to where you came from, back to the place that you lived for 40 years. And I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. Do you know I believe God has a plan and a purpose for everyone's life? It may not be identical for this guy versus that lady, but he's got a specific plan. And there may be a few hundred people in, in a service, but God's speaking to every one of them individually all at the same time. He can do that because he's God. And he's saying, listen, this is what I want you to do. And Moses feels so inadequate. First of all, it's good to hear God's voice again. But what you're asking me to do, God, I, I can't do that. I, I, who am I? I'm nobody. Matter of fact, I go back there. They might want to try me for murdering that Egyptian. Throw me in prison. I can't do this. I'm not respected amongst God's people. Man, I've been out of touch with them for 40 years. You can't use me. Listen, Moses, I'm asking you, just as you turned aside to look at this bush, will you align yourself with my will? Will you get on my side? I'm choosing you. I'm calling you by name. I'm giving you a specific purpose. Will you get on my side? And finally, God is able to convince Moses that he truly is with him. Here, watch, I'll I'll give you a few miracles. I'll turn this into that and I'll, I'll give you a little bit of leprosy and then I'll take it away. Will that convince you, Moses, that I'm with you? And finally, Moses yields and gets on God's side. You know where your place is in God? It's at his side. It's not behind him. 
It's certainly not in front of him. It's at his side. Will you get on God's side? That's what I'm trying to ask you today. Get on God's side. There seems to be people say, well, there's several sides to every situation. No, there's not. There's a right, there's a wrong. There's a true, there's a false. There's a God, there's a devil. It's not that complicated. But you gotta find out what side you're gonna get on. Let me give you another example. Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four and verse 35 says, the same day when the even was come, he said unto them. Now listen to what he says, because you're gonna miss the whole story if you don't get the last part of this verse. Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. Now, if you're not paying attention, you can miss something really important here. What did he dismiss? A multitude. What is a multitude? I don't know, just a whole lot. Isn't that the goal? To get as many people as we can around you, Jesus, so that you can minister to them. That's the goal. We're interested in hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe a million people. That's the goal. Where can we get the biggest crowd? Where can we rent the largest coliseum so that they can all hear Jesus at the same time? We are interested in the numbers. How many are in your church? Not enough. How many do you want? One more. That's gotta be your attitude because I don't know if you've ever noticed, but this word multitude only has one eye in it. One eye. And he says, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna leave what you think we ought to do and we're gonna get in a boat and we're gonna go to the other side. Now, they probably didn't agree with him but they knew they needed to trust him. Maybe there's a multitude on the other side. So if you say that we are to get in the boat, we are getting in the boat. But he said we're going to the other side. Now while they're going, while they've left the multitude, they don't know what's on the other side. Come on, somebody preach with me today. We don't know what's on the other side. You don't know everything that's involved in what God asks you to do. To do. You don't have all the details worked out. That's where trust comes in. And if he says we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. But they had to go through a storm. And while they're going through this storm, they feel like they could drown. And where's their fearless leader? He's down below sleeping on a pillow. He's not worried about it at all. Finally, they, they hold out as long as they can. But beyond their 
human reasoning. They've got to wake him up. Finally, they wake him up. Jesus, we're going to drown. The ship is taken on water. So he sh- I can picture him. You guys just don't get it, do you? You don't remember what I told you. So he gets up, stands on the bow of the ship, and he says, all right, that's enough. Peace, be still. I know you want the Bible version, so here it is. Peace, be still, and the water flattens right out. The storm is immediately over as soon as he speaks to it. They get to the other side, and there's one guy, and he's the least likely guy you would ever want in your church. He doesn't wear any clothes. He lives in a graveyard. He's demon-possessed. Is this what we left a multitude for? Is this what you risked our lives for? For this guy? We're thinking with our reasoning. We will never know the impact that Legion had on the lives of people that he ministered to. That's going to have to be on the other side when we figure that out. But do you know why he was so upset with the disciples? Because he said, why are you fearful? I told you we were going to the other side. If I say we're going to the other side, doesn't matter what the weather does. Doesn't matter what the circumstances, somebody preach with me today. Doesn't matter what the circumstances may appear to be. If I say we're getting to the other side, we're getting to the other side. So what are you saying, pastor? I'm saying if God has called us, if God has given us a purpose, if God has promised us that he will help us to finish our course and to keep the faith, we are going to make it. We're gonna make it to the other side. Because that's what he said. He said, I'll never leave you. Now, you might feel like he left you. You might not hear his voice like you'd like to hear his voice. But you've got the promises of God's word. And that's what should keep you at his side. At his side. He's not going to let me down. I'm going to make it. I think the Lord does get disappointed with us sometimes because we forget his promises. I heard a very good Bible study today in Sunday school. Good lesson by Brother Zenobia. And all the time that he spoke, I just kept, Sister Kylie, break your routine, please. 1 Timothy 4.16, please. Let me tell you why I'm in the church today. I love you guys. You're like family to me. I love the worship. I like the building, all that stuff. But there's one reason that I'm here and that I'm always gonna be here. Here it is. Take heed to yourself and unto the doctrine, the teaching, the apostolic doctrine. Somebody say amen. Amen. And continue. That's a really, really big word. Continue. 
There are a lot of people that have not continued. But you need to continue. For in so doing, you will save yourself and them that hear you. How's that for a promise? How's that for a promise? Just continue. Just keep on. Keep on believing. Keep on obeying. Keep on trusting. 2 Kings chapter 9. Let me tell you another story about being on the right side. Let me tell you about a woman named Jezebel. Jezebel was a harlot. She used her beauty, appealed to men's sexual desires, and then threatened them if they didn't comply with her wishes in controlling society. She was a very wicked, evil woman. Nobody ever wants to be called Jezebel. And Jezebel, you'll remember from last week, or the week before, that she was the one that said, I'm going to kill Elijah within a day. She wasn't going to kill him. She was going to have him killed. She believed that she had enough influence with the king that she could have the prophet of God killed. But one day, in 2 Kings chapter 9, and verse 30, it says, that Jehu came from Jezreel, and Jezebel heard of it. She knew he was coming. So she painted her face, she tired her hair, she looked out the window. She made herself as attractive as she possibly could physically. All of the appeal toward Jezebel was toward her physical person. We ought to glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. Don't be a Jezebel. Somebody say amen. So Jehu comes riding in. Yoo-hoo! Jehu! Jezebel called out to him. Here I am. Don't I look nice today? But listen to what happens. He lifted up his face to the window and he said, is there anybody that's on my side? Is there anybody that will do whatever I ask them to do, even if it appears to be a hard thing? Even if you respect or even if you fear Jezebel, is there anybody on my side? Who, who are you? And it says, there looked out to him two or three eunuchs. And he said, all right, if you're on my side, throw her down. So they threw her down. And some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses. And then he trod her underfoot. They threw her out the window, splat. On the ground she falls, blood splattered everywhere. She's probably still alive, crying out for mercy, which she gave no one, 
and now requested for herself. Isn't it amazing that when people are put in a bind, they cry for mercy, but they give none. And Jehu heard her request, and he said, no. And he took his horse, an animal that didn't want to do, this is unnatural for a horse, to purposely step on somebody until they kill them. But he forced the horse to kill her. And then he left her in the street. Later on, they came back and found out that the dogs came out and licked her face. This was the original dog kiss. Licked her face and took all the paint and all that stuff off. Ate much of her. And by the time they were finished, all they found was a skull and her hands. They devoured her. Why are you telling us this story? Because there are some things in your life that are Jezebel to you. And they need to be thrown down and they need to be walked on and they need to be shown no mercy whatsoever. All those old habits, all those old vices, all those things that you've struggled with and you've had to repent and ask God for forgiveness from him for many, many times, need to be thrown out, need to be trampled on to show that you are on the Lord's side. You're on the Lord's side. One more, John 20, John 21. Let me tell you what's happened here. In John chapter 21, they fished all night and caught nothing. They're experts. It's frustrating. Right, Brother Marty? (laughs) Pick it up, Brother Marty. No, he catches a lot more fish than I catch, that's for sure. But it's frustrating to be out there all night or a long time in the morning and to catch nothing. You know what's even more frustrating? Is when people ask you what you caught. And you caught nothing. So here it is in John chapter 21. When the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, children, Do you have any meat? I can picture their answer in this tone. No. Thanks for asking. Thanks for rubbing it in. We just wasted an entire night. And he said unto them, well, cast a net on the right side of the ship and you will find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it up for the multitude of the fishes. Here's what I see. I see them faced with a decision. Jesus said, cast your net on the other side of the ship. Will you obey his voice or or continue to trust in your own ability? Now wait a minute, now they don't know this is Jesus. That's what it says. They could have said, who are you? We're professional fishermen. We know where all the hot spots are. 
We know all the structure underneath the water where certain kinds of fish live. We're experts at this. We trust in our ability, our knowledge, and our skill. If they would have said that, I'm sure he would have said, and how is that working for you? So they didn't take that chance. Well, okay, we'll try it. There's never been any fish over there before. But what if the Lord pushed them all in there and set this whole thing up so that he could show that if you just obey his voice rather than trust in your own ability, he will fulfill making you fishers of men. What if that's what this is all about? Because once you catch those fish and you realize who he is, you're going to be back at his side. And that's what he wanted all along. It wasn't about the fish. It was about, will you get on my side? Will you obey my voice? Matthew 6 and 24, no man can serve two masters. There's only two. You either hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God in the world. Whose side are you on? Or how about this? Elijah said unto the people, this was before he called the fire down. How long will you halt between two opinions? How long are we going to keep doing this? Back and forth, back and forth. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, if Baal is God, well then go follow him. And the people answered not a word. They were hung up, living in the valley of decision. They couldn't make a decision. So God proved himself. And when God brought the fire down, well, then everybody wanted to be on God's side. God's side. Hmm. I want to be on God's side. We're going to have to decide which side we're going to get on. Listen to Joshua 24 and 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. But you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Now if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. America has lots of idols. Lots of idols. American idol. All kinds of idols. But as for me, in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We know what side we belong on.
Now let me give you a light thought and then I'm gonna invite you to the altar today. You can't serve two masters. It won't work. Remember the story I told you about the guy during the Civil War? He said, well, let's see. I'll wear Yankee pants and a Confederate shirt. And that will keep me from getting shot. But the Confederates shot him in the pants and the Yankees shot him in the shirt. Are you getting it? If you can't make a decision, you'll lose. You've already made a decision. And that's what Joshua was saying. Make a choice. Whose side are you on anyway? Because one day, it may not appear quite as obvious right now. I I hope I've done something to inspire your thinking today. But one day it's going to be perfectly clear. Let's stand together. Let me read it to you. Luke chapter 16. This is Lazarus and the rich man. I'm jumping into the story here a little bit for the sake of time. Luke 16, 24. The rich man cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send this beggar that I never paid any attention to. The one I mocked and told him to stay away from my house. Send him that he may dip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son... Remember that thou in thy lifetime received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he's the one that's comforted and you're the one that's tormented. And watch this. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. And neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. There's a big gap between heaven and hell, but those are the only two places that are left. And you know what it's based upon? The choices the decisions that you made every day, the mundane that we talked about with Moses, and finally realizing that God has a plan and a purpose for your life and hopes that you will choose his side. Jesus, we're gonna make decisions even right now, about whether or not we're going to come to the altar and spend time with you and respond to the preaching of your word today. Help us to make the right choice. We're going to make decisions this afternoon, tonight, and we're going to go back tomorrow to our jobs and we're going to make decisions. But Lord, I believe that all of our decisions should be made to prove that we are on your side. And that we are listening, even though we don't feel we're adequate, even though we're afraid, 
even though it might not be popular, help us to make the right choices and the right decisions in everyday life that reveal that we're on your side and that others might also be willing to turn aside and follow your will and your voice because one day there's going to be a great gulf between heaven and hell and we want to be on the right side. Bless all those that come to this altar. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.